tonight. We're going to get to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39. One of the things that I've grown to like doing over the past year and a half, I like to go hiking now. It is something that I enjoy. Never in a million years would I ever thought that hiking would have any interest to Brian in any form. Remember in high school, I went on a few hikes, and it was awful. It just, you know, you climb up these hills and everything else, and there's just not a lot of joy in it. And today, I enjoy hiking. Well, let me give some of you some advice in the room. Don't go with Louie on hikes, okay? That's my advice. Felix, wouldn't you agree with that? Did he almost kill you once? Yeah, he almost killed you once. Yeah, Louie almost killed Felix. Louis tried to kill me three or four times. No, it's, it hasn't been that bad. We did a hike, the three T's it was called, and it really overall wasn't terrible. But one of the things, you basically went to three peaks up in Mount Baldy. And so it takes a lot of work to get up to a peak. And you spend a lot of time and a lot of effort to get to a peak. And then once we got to... Uh, Oh, it's the middle one, Telegraph Peak. You still had uh, timber coming up. The only problem was when you're up on Telegraph Peak, you had to go down a long ways to go back up timber. And you look and you do all this work to finally get somewhere to realize you're going to go back down and have to do it all over again. I think Joseph had gotten to the point in his life, his brothers had um, wanted to kill him. They sold him into slavery. He becomes second in command in Potiphar's house. I think life seemed like it kind of plateaued and things were going to get better. But we know with life, you don't always stay on a mountaintop or get near a mountaintop, and that's how life settles. There are a lot of valleys. And dark moments that come into life. And we see with Joseph the fact here, we get deeper into the story, and now Potiphar's wife lies about him. He did nothing wrong in this passage of Scripture. In fact, most Bible scholars, the only thing they will say is he shouldn't have been alone with Potiphar's wife, because they got to try and find something that Joseph did wrong. Joseph got out of there before he did anything wrong. Joseph did no wrong. He was accused and he ends up in prison because of this. It's what life is like. You struggle through and you get up out of the valley. Sometimes you go right back down into the valley. Sometimes you stay out for a while. But tonight as we go deeper into the life of Joseph and kids in the room, I want you to pay attention tonight as well. I believe that there are some great truths for you into tonight's lesson. There is something that separated Joseph from his brothers. Now, do we need to go back through the stories? Reuben, the firstborn, sleeping with a concubine, or uh, technically another wife of his dad's, thinking he could get away with it. Simeon and Levi, their dad calls them instruments of cruelty they were deceitful and they did some bad things 
Judah and his daughter-in-law Tamar? Do we need to go down all that road? What I see in the life of Jacob's sons was the fact that they pretty much did what they wanted to do and didn't care about anybody but themselves. We look tonight at Joseph, and I want you to see the difference between Joseph and his brothers. You're there in chapter 39. We're going to get to our notes here in a minute. Let's read verse number 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house. He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness? And look at these words. And sin against God. You see the difference between Joseph and his brothers? And this would be a great lesson for all of us in the room to pick up on tonight. When we sin, we are sinning against God. That's what we need to remember. And Joseph, the, tonight's message, the title of tonight's message as we go deeper into his life, the power of a faithful life. May we, when the hard times come and when the trials come, are you going to be faithful and how can I do this to God? Or are you going to do what pleases you and makes you happy? The difference between Joseph and his brothers was the fact that his brothers did what they did to make themselves happy and what they wanted. Joseph viewed his life said, I can't do this to God. It's a powerful testimony. The Bible makes a statement, a faithful man who can find? God is faithful tonight. He is always faithful. In fact, the Bible says, great is his faithfulness. But it is a hard thing to find faithful people to God. We find that in Joseph. I want to talk about that tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll dive into these verses. Father, we love you and we need you tonight. We thank you for this passage. Help us apply it to our lives. Meet with us. Work in our lives and our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A young man applied for a job as a farmhand. And when the farmer asked for his qualifications, this is what the young man said. said, I can sleep when the wind blows. I can sleep when the wind blows. This puzzled the farmer, but he liked the young man. He hired him. And a few days later, the farmer and his wife were awakened in the night by a violent storm. They quickly began to check things out to see if all was secure. They found the shutters on the farmhouse had been securely fastened. A good supply of logs had been set next to the fireplace. They saw that the young man was sleeping soundly while the wind was blowing. The tractor was moved into the garage. The farm tools were put away where they should be. The barn was properly locked. Even the animals were calm. All is well. And 
the farmer understood what the farmhand, what this young man meant. He would get the job done so he could sleep in the midst of the storm. Because he was faithful and loyal, when the skies were clear, he was prepared for the storms when it came. So when the storm came, he wasn't fearful because he was ready for the storm. The story of that young farmhand illustrates a principle that we would all do well to learn tonight. There's nothing drastic or sensational about this young man. He was just faithful and did what he needed to do each and every day. A short little poem expresses this principle for us. It isn't the things you do, it's the things you leave undone, which give you a bit of heartache at the setting of the sun. I'll repeat that in case you missed it. The teenagers tonight, they were kind of tired. They are kind of out. We were talking about the Trinity tonight, and so they were kind of, I don't know, they were out of it a little bit. Their minds weren't thinking very well. So I don't know if the adults are the same, so I'm going to repeat this one more time for you. It isn't the things you do. It's the things you leave undone, which give you a bit of heartache at the setting of the sun. When we look at the life of Joseph, even in prison, he could rest easy because he had been faithful. When he was home in his father's house, he was a faithful son and he did what his father wanted him to do. When he was a servant for Potiphar, he was faithful to follow through. Because of his faithfulness, the Lord blessed him. In this story tonight, as we read through here, we see that he gets lied about, but in the midst of it, he still remains faithful throughout. And of course, as we look at this tonight, there's a lesson for us that we're going to learn as we go through tonight. As we pass through this life, many situations will rise up in our lives that will try to knock us off course. Try to get us to go down the road that we should not go down. The world, the flesh, the devil will do their very best to get us to quit on God and to mess up. They'll do everything within their power to cause us to drop out of the race and fall short of the potential that God has for us. God wants His children to be faithful like Joseph tonight. He wants us to stay the course. He wants us to run the race for His glory until He calls us home. And if there's any thing you pick up from the life of Joseph, and as we go deeper into it tonight, I want you to see life wasn't fair. The things that happened to Joseph, this wasn't fair. But he stayed the course. He stayed faithful to God in the midst of all these things. The power of a faithful life. Number one, as we dive in tonight, we see that Joseph was faithful in spite of temptation. He was faithful in spite of, of temptation. We look at the text here tonight. Joseph was a good young man. He was faithful. Verse number 6, the Bible says that he was a goodly person and well-favored. He was a good-looking young man. 
I kind of know what it feels like to be good looking. No, I don't know quite what it feels like. Even my wife's laughing when I say that. my pride down the drain. My wife laughed when I said it. I'll just leave that one there. But what we'll say is he goes, he's a good looking young man and Potiphar's wife sees him and she wants him. And as we look at the story, she begins to flirt with him and then she wants him to come lie with her. Now, I'm not going to go graphically into the story because we have young people in the room. But parents, when I hear some of the movies you let your children watch, this is a lot cleaner than some of the things you let your children watch. Whew, that was a side little note right there. I don't know where that came from. I'm amazed at things I hear that parents let their kids watch. Anyways, we'll leave that alone. Not going any deeper. She wants him to lie with him. He refuses. And she wants him to. And then verse number 10 tells him that it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. So why did Joseph go to the house? To do what he was supposed to do. Don't blame Joseph for going to the house. He was doing his job. I love how people... We got to do one thing with scripture, especially when we teach it and preach it. If it doesn't say that someone does something wrong, don't try and make it say it does. Because he was doing his business. He was doing what he was supposed to in the house. And it says, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Who would have known at that moment what he did? God. He could have gotten away with it in man's eyes right there. Our sin always will find us out. We know that's a scriptural point. But he got himself out of there. He left. There are several things that I think of tonight when we look at this passage and we think about some things. We think about this temptation. We'll get to some points under temptation here in a minute, but just think with me for a minute. This temptation that came, it was to fulfill a natural, legitimate desire that we have. The offer from Potiphar's wife, and we know what it was for, was for sex. God made that to be a good thing in the proper context. You see, sexual things are meant for a husband and wife in a marriage relationship. It is not meant for teenagers. It's not meant for people not married. The Bible makes that clear. So let's make sure we understand something as we go a little deeper here. Sex in the proper place is a good thing. In the proper place. Outside of its proper place, it's sin. So, what does the Bible say about it? 
Here's some examples for you. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 through 20, flee fornication. That is doing things outside of marriage. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Is that what the scripture says right there? It's a, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. And when we look at this and you think about it, when you use, when you put sex in the wrong place, and some of you, it's funny, some of you are giving me weird looks when I mention this tonight, and your kids talk about crazy things all the time, so don't be giving me weird looks, and I'm not saying anything deeper than that, okay? That's as far as I'm going. So don't give me weird looks when your kids talk about the things they talk about. So we'll leave that there. When we look at this, you have sex outside of marriage and with someone that you're not married to, you are sinning against your own body, against your spouse if you're married, or you're sinning against that other person. It's a big deal. It's sin. It's wrong. That's why young people, we are so to flee this stuff. That's why it's a big deal to stay pure. That's why it's a big deal to follow God's plan for things. There should be some amens there. Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2, verse number 22, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So why, what, what does it matter? You think about this, you know that old saying, um, when in Rome do as the Romans do? I'm sure glad that Joseph didn't live his life that way. I'm glad that he, while he was in Egypt, didn't live that way. Hey, you know what? Mom and dad weren't there with Joseph when he was in Egypt. Do you know that when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they went down to Babylon, mom and dad weren't there. They could have blended in with the Babylonians. They could have done those things. But I want you to understand something tonight. This is the difference between Joseph and so many people even today. You realize tonight the Bible makes it clear in Proverbs 15, verse number 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God sees everything that you do. You cannot hide from God. God sees it all. Yet so many Christians live their lives like God doesn't see what they're doing. No, he sees the evil and the good. And that's why Joseph could say, how could I sin against God? That's so important for us to see. He, could have, he refused to violate the trust of his master, and he refused to sin against God. When we think about temptation, there are a few thoughts I want to give you tonight about temptation before we go on to point number two. Now, some of you just relax. I'm off the topic we just talked about a minute ago. Relax, all right? When we talk about temptation, here's a few thoughts. Number one, temptation is never from God. Temptation is never from God. Now, one of the problems that we have, and when we look at the scriptures in Greek, Greek, the words, one word can mean multiple things. 
So God might bring a trial into your life. God does allow that. But God never tempts you to do wrong. That's why you need to know scripture. James chapter 1 verse number 13 tells us, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Look what it says, For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. I've had, I had someone a while back that came to me when I preached down that passage and said there's no way that Jesus would have fallen for temptation. And they said, well, I believe he could have, and whatever. God cannot be tempted with evil. Jesus was not tempted to do the wrong thing because he's God. I think that makes that clear right there. That's pure, plain, and simple. If someone can't understand that, then I don't know. But just as God cannot be tempted with evil, he never tempts you with evil. So how am I tempted? Of your own lust. So many people will say, the devil made me do it. Yeah, that little devil of you inside of you made you do it. When we talk about temptation, some thoughts about temptation, temptation is never from God. Number two, temptation is always from within. So after that, verse 13, verse 14 and 15 tells us in James chapter 1 there, verse 14 and 15, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away, look at what it says here, of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The very next verse says, do not err, my beloved brethren. So, is temptation sin? No. It's when that lust conceives, it brings forth sin. Do you see the wording there? So Joseph didn't sin by the temptation that came. If he would have let his lust conceive in him and would have done wrong, that would have been the sin. And so when we think about temptation... Temptation is never from God. And, you know, sometimes we'll look at, and on Sunday nights we've been talking about the fact how God will take, or even in this passage here, the sins of these brothers and God will use it for his good. God's plan was never for these brothers to do this wickedness. God's plan's never been for man to do wickedness. But God will work in spite of man's wickedness. God, as I said, number one, is never, temptation is never from God. Number two, Temptation is always from within. The reason you do what you do is because you want to do it. The reason Brian sins is because Brian wants to. Pure, plain, and simple. Number three, there is a way out of temptation. There is a way out of temptation. Say, how do I get out of temptation? The Bible tells us 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful. And aren't you thankful that God's faithful? I'm thankful he's faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Let me give you a few thoughts about ways out of temptation. Letter A, deal with it immediately. Barney Fife had a saying, and I like this saying, 
Nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it. Deal with it immediately. You put it off. You let it stay there. It is going to conceive. That's why the Bible says, and I've used this verse, I should have put up on the screen, but I did. And I've used this verse. Many people have come to me for temptations that they have in their own lives. And I could tonight, there are several in this room, I say, what's the verse I always show you? And this is what I always do. When you get tempted to do something you shouldn't do, casting down imaginations. You see what I did? The Bible says, get rid of. So casting down, so when you think of something or there's a temptation that you are dwelling on, you need to cast it out of your head. The problem is we let it stay there. The Bible says to cast down the imaginations, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the imaginations of, I forget those last few words, but you know the verse I'm talking about. Cast it down. You deal with it immediately. You get it out of your head. You let it stay in your head. You let it exalt it. Because this is what's going to happen. This is what happens. All of us know it's true. Let's say you have something, some, some beset. All of us have things we struggle with, right? There are things you struggle with that I don't struggle with, things I struggle with you don't struggle with. But we all have things we struggle with. When you get ready to do that thing that you struggle with, it's always in your mind. And you keep it there. And in all reality, it becomes the idol in your mind. Where's God in the midst of it? He's nowhere to be found because you're just focusing on that thing that you want to do. And you'll do whatever you need to do to do what you need to do. That's why we're supposed to cast it down. With temptation, we need to deal with it immediately, letter A, letter B. Deal with it realistically. Get away from it at all costs. Don't go down that road. The prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. You say, but I can handle it. You have an alcohol problem, and all the buddies go out to drink. I can, I can handle this. You probably can't. Be realistic about it. If there's things you need to stay away from, stay away from those things. Get away from it at all costs. Let her see, deal with it ruthlessly. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. That's the advice from the book of Proverbs, right? Yeah. Letter D. Deal with it consistently. It's gonna, there are certain things and certain temptations that are going to be tempting you the rest of your life. Consistently put those things down and stay after them. And then letter E, deal with it confidently. Say, what do you mean? There's a great promise in that verse that we just read a minute ago. Put 1 Corinthians 10, 13 back up on the screens for a minute. We have the Lord's promise here and where it says there, God will make a way of escape. Ju 
just be on the lookout for it. If there is a way to escape, the word escape means egress or a way out. It was used in the ancient Greece to refer to a landing place for a ship. God will give us a way out of the rough seas of temptation. You ever see, you go down a mountain pass and you see those runaway truck ramps? You really don't want to use those because you're going to pay a lot of money to get yourself towed out of there. But if your brakes go out and you didn't check your brakes and you're not driving properly, there are those things to save your truck from smashing into someone's car. God gives you a way out of your temptation. That's a promise from God. He enables us to bear the temptations tonight. That's what the Bible says. You can, you say, I can't handle this temptation. You are making God a liar. That's what you're doing. The temptation is too strong. God will give you a way out. That's what the scripture says. Am I right or wrong? I'm right. Because that's what the scripture says. As we look at all these things, what we want to see we want to be like Joseph. He saw sin for what it really was. He didn't want to sin against God. You see, Joseph was faithful in spite of temptation. I know many Christians, I've known many pastors, that have started the race well, but they finish weak. I want to be like Paul. And I want to be able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And I've kept the faith. That's my prayer for every Christian in this room. That you could say those things. We need to be faithful to him like Joseph. Point number one is done. Point number one took the longest. Katie, I know you said you had to get out of here at 730. I'm doing my best just for you. But if you get up, yeah, you're not making me nervous because if I'm not done, I'll just finish up. I'm not worried about that. And I'll just make fun of you or say you couldn't take the hard preaching when you leave. Number two, we look at Joseph tonight. We see, number one, that he is faithful in spite of temptation. Number two, we see he was faithful in spite of trials. He was faithful in spite of trials. Look at verse number 13. It says, And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when I heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, and he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And we see through here she comes up with this story. Do you know there are, there are a bunch of holes in her story here? You notice that when she did cry out, the men came, right? You see that there? So if she would have cried out when Joseph tried to force her to do something, the men would have came then too, right? There are a lot of holes in her story. But, you know, we look at this passage here. And I heard someone once say this, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And uh, she was a little upset. And as we look at this, Potiphar hears the accusations. He becomes angry. Now, we could go through, why was Potiphar angry? Was he angry at Joseph? Was he angry at, what was he totally angry at here? 
Did he see into this and what was going on? Who knows? But I want you to understand something. And then the other thing, why would Joseph have left his garment there too? It's another thought. But all this being said, what we see happen here is Joseph does right. He gets himself out of there. And the next thing we see is he's in prison. He goes from the pit and slavery to second in command in Potiphar's house to now put in prison. Prison didn't stop him from being faithful to God. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a second tonight. You've been faithful. Hey, all you did was listen to dad and do what dad said and look at where you ended up in Egypt. All you did was be a good worker and be good for your master and make him look good and not do anything with his wife. You've done nothing wrong. And in spite of all of that, you find yourself sitting in prison in Egypt now. Life was finally starting to turn around just a little bit. Most of us would have been pretty upset. Most of us would have said, God, what are you doing to me? I'm done. But that's not what we see with the life of Joseph here. Most of us would have launched a long defense for ourselves, claimed our innocence. And he could have, and he could have done that. But we see another type of Christ here by the fact that he didn't say anything. When Christ was accused, he answered them not a word. It's another example of Christ we see in the life of Joseph. But what we see here tonight is the fact that we need to be faithful even in the trials. We look at prison here and we think about it and the Bible talks a little bit about what Joseph's life in prison was like in Psalm 105, verse 17 through 19. And he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. He was, his feet were hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron. Does that sound like fun? It's not like going to prison today. Big time difference. But what we see here is, in spite of the wrongs that were done to Joseph, he stayed faithful to his God. Hey, don't let hardships in life don't let the valleys of life throw you off course. Don't get upset when life just isn't fair to you. Stay faithful to God. Stay the course, and God will see you through. Number three. As we look at Joseph tonight in this passage, he was faithful in spite of temptation. He was faithful in spite of trials. Number three is faithful in spite of tragedies. Verse 20 says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Look at the next verse. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, this is Old Testament. This is not New Testament. God doesn't have to stay anywhere with anyone, Old Testament. That's a New Testament fulfilling of what Jesus Christ did. The Holy Spirit will never leave us. He's always there. He'll never leave us or forsake us. That is not an Old Testament promise. The Holy Spirit could come and go as he pleased in people, in believers in the Old Testament. The Lord stayed with Joseph. Which meant Joseph didn't get bitter at God. He stayed faithful to him. We see letter A underneath this last point. We see there are going to be times when the bottom will fall out of life. The Bible, that's a clear teaching from the Word of God. There are times that this will happen. And we think about Job. And this is what Job said, Job 14, 1, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. That is life right there. The Bible tells us in Job 5, verse number 7, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me might have peace In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. When that happens here, when that happens there, what's going to happen is the temptation will be, do I just give up on God? When your world falls apart, when it seems like you've been doing your best, and like Joseph here, What has Joseph done wrong up to this point? And sometimes we look at life and it seems like the bottom of life's falling. You're like, what's the use? I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to do these things. And in the midst of all this, I just might as well give up. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to give up. He wants you not to stay in the fight. He wants you to not go forward. But I want to tell you something tonight. As we look at this passage, God wants you to remain faithful to him. Don't give up tonight. Don't give, don't fall for it. Stay faithful to God because God knows what he's doing and God will work things out. It's been a resounding theme over the past several weeks, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And sometimes I think we quote that verse so often we lose sight. There's truth to that. Hey, the the trial you face this week, that you're like, I don't know what good could come from this. Do you love God? Are you called according to his purpose? Is God doing a work in your life? Then God will take those circumstances and work them for good. He did it in Joseph's life. You're like, but pastor, I don't see how this circumstance could be good. It's not up to you to see it. It's up to you to trust him and stay faithful to him because he will get you through. Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You can trust him 
to do the right thing. He always does. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 17, there's, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Think about that verse for a minute. What you're going through right now, it will not last forever. And it can be used for something great in your life or the life and a loved one that's going through it right now. You have Romans 8.18. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I didn't give you letter B, did I? I skipped all that. I gave you all that and skipped letter B. Put letter B up on the screen. You can trust him to do right by you. You can trust him tonight. You can trust him. And then let her see, and lastly tonight, we see that God blessed Joseph, and he used him in prison because Joseph remained faithful. Just stay faithful. Stay the course. Finish the course that God gives you. Hey, do you realize God gives each of us that we're on different courses tonight? We're headed to the same destination. Thank God for that. But the course is different for each of us. Stay faithful on the course that you are on. The greatest thing that could ever be said about you and me, as far as our walk with God is concerned, is that we were faithful. I want to be found faithful. How about you? I want to be faithful to my God. I want to be faithful to my family. I want to be faithful to my wife. I want to be faithful to my call that God's given me in my life. I want to be faithful to the Lord. I want to be faithful to my church. I want to be faithful to this pulpit that God's given me to preach from. I want to be faithful to the one who's been faithful to me. Just keep living for Jesus tonight. Even when it seems like it won't pay off, Keep living for Him. Keep praising Him. Keep going to church. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Stay faithful in the midst of whatever's going on. 2,000 years ago, a woman named Mary bowed at Jesus' feet. She broke open a box of ointment that was worth a year's pay, and she poured it on the head of Jesus. Some of the people there complained and said, what are you doing? Why are you wasting this is the gist of what they said. Well, this is what Jesus said. Leave her alone. She hath done what she could. In other words, Mary was faithful to the Lord. He recognized her faithfulness. He honored her because she honored him. If the Lord were to look at you and I tonight, would he say that we've done all that we could do, like Mary? Could he declare us to be 
Could he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Joseph was faithful. Jesus is faithful. We need to be faithful. Let's be faithful and follow the Lord in spite. You don't know what's coming ahead. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. You don't know what the rest of tonight's going to hold. But I'll tell you this, God is faithful, and he will get you through. Don't leave him. Don't try and face your trials on your own. Don't get bitter at him. Let him be there to help you get through. And Joseph, God blessed him. And man, you put Joseph in prison, and then we see he's still, he rises up to, he's running the prison. Man, this guy gets knocked down, and he just gets back up. Isn't that what the Christian life's supposed to be? Just man falls seven times, he rises up again. You just keep getting back up. You don't give up on things. But man, his brothers sell him off. He raises the second in position in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife lies about him. He goes to prison. He becomes second in command, basically, in the prison. He's basically in charge in prison. Think about that. God blessed him. God was with him because he was faithful. We cannot control the circumstances of life, but you can control if you stay faithful to him or not.